Think about reading through a job description. You know, you're looking through the lines, you're like, yep, yep, nope, sort of, check. You know, and one of the things that you find is that men and women read job descriptions very differently. Um, They look at them differently and they look at the characteristics very differently. And so for us on Breaking Ladders, our goal is to take a sledgehammer to that and really break that down into how to start to look at those kinds of things differently so that you're not self-sabotaging. My name is Katie Ostrico, and I'm the host of Breaking Ladders. So research shows that men apply for jobs when they're like 60% qualified, um, sometimes less. And oftentimes women will wait until they're 100% qualified before they even consider applying for a job. And unfortunately, some leaders think the same way. They will give men a shot when they might not be ready, and they might wait to give women a chance until they can prove it 100%. And what's really happening is leaders are trying to balance this idea between um, proof and potential. So they're looking at this gap of what have you done and what do you have the potential to do when they're looking at promotions. And oftentimes, people who are categorized as high performers, you know, sometimes have lower potential attached to them, which doesn't really make sense. But there's this idea of they might be capped out in terms of what they can do. And sometimes people that haven't performed as high actually have a higher rating of potential because they're like, oh, there's still more that they could do. So the question I have is, is there two pieces to this, right? Are people self-sabotaging first by not applying for jobs that they could be qualified to do? And second, is there bias in leadership by holding a higher standard to potential than actual performance? So a lot of companies use something called a nine box. Um, Basically what it does is it measures you on low, medium, high for potential and low, medium, high for performance. And the idea is you put people into that box based on where you think they are. Now, somebody like a new hire might be high potential because you hired them for a role, you haven't seen it yet, but they might be low performance and that's okay. You might have people that start to move one direction and as they're more seasoned in a role, their performance actually goes down because you think that they should be a higher performance than they are. And there's this weird criteria, if it's not clearly defined, that this potential becomes super subjective to the people in the room. Um, you know, and so my question would be, do you know what leadership potential looks like at your company? Not necessarily the performance, but the potential to be a future leader. You know, does it look like a carbon copy of the people that are already in leadership? Are they open to looking at potential in a different way, like a skill set that they don't have? Um, You know, have you ever asked what a high potential leader looks like? What are they looking for? And a lot of times the potential piece is not talked about. Um, The performance piece often is with performance reviews and evaluations and criteria But oftentimes employees have no idea where they rank on the potential scale, which sometimes can factor in more than performance when it comes to reviews, but also future promotions. So these are the little secrets that often are not talked about. So you might be sitting there going, I'm a high performer. Why am I not getting promoted? And it might be because you're not seen by leaders as having high potential beyond your current role. 
Um, and so if you don't know what that looks like or how they're measuring that or how you rate on that, you're at a huge disadvantage because you might be performing really, really well and still getting passed over because of that potential characteristic that is often so subjective. And it's a lot of intangibles and it's a lot of feelings. And so it's harder for them to distinguish it and call it out in a performance review because it's not viewed that way. Um, and so you asking the question of where you are on the potential scale, if you know you're a high performer, could give you a, a lens into where that potential could look like at your company. Or if you're lacking in that area, you know, ask what they look for when they're looking for potential. Now, when it comes to some of the self-sabotage and looking at job descriptions and all these things, it's usually shared as gender specific. Okay, so it's often like women do this and men do this. And, and I would challenge you to recategorize that a little bit. Um, think of it in terms of risk level. So some people are higher risk takers than others, um, and it's not always gender specific. Um, so in my family, I take more risks. I am the higher risk taker. I will jump with a little bit of information. I won't let a lack of information stop me from making a decision. Um, my husband is a lower risk taker when it comes to his career. He's worked many jobs within a company, but he's been at a company 25 years, um, which is super rare. And there's no right or wrong to it, but it helps you to understand how you might be viewing things with where you fall on the risk scale. So I'll give you an example. I'd interviewed for a job. You know, I'd been with the company like seven or eight years, and I'd interviewed for a job. Um, and I got the offer on Friday. We were leaving for vacation the next day. Um, I just kind of read through it and said, you know what, this feels right. I'm going to sign it and send it back um, and take the, take the job. My husband's like, how do you do that so fast? And I'm like, well, first of all, I've been interviewing for a couple weeks, so I kind of have an idea if I want to take this or not. Um, but my answer is it just felt right. And it's my level of risk. Like I was willing to jump into a company that was, you know, one one hundredth the size of the company I was. But to take a promotion and to take this opportunity and to try something new and different, I'm really comfortable with that risk level. Um, I've jumped into industries I don't know. I've jumped into roles where I'm leading a team I don't know. I tend to take a higher risk view of my career than other people, which is likely why I've had some of the opportunities I do. If you're a lower risk taker, you're going to make sure that you have everything figured out before you move. And it's not good or bad. It just might be limiting some of your options because you're not willing to take that leap before you're ready. So I will share that I'm not always good at this either. So I will share one of my stories about a role I have now, which is I'm, I head up sales and marketing um, for a company where I had no background in the industry. Um, and I was working at a company that I liked, um, but they weren't really utilizing my talents, the company I was at before. And so I got a call from my current boss to grab coffee. He's like, hey, do you want to grab coffee? And, you know, we were in a spot where we were shipping like, 40% on time and complete. My marketing budget was cut. We had just reduced headcount. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to have coffee. <laughs> like, let's chat. So I go to his office and I'm talking with him. P.S. There's no coffee there. Um, and so we start talking and then a head of HR comes in and I'm like, okay, that's a little odd. And then he's like, oh, I want you to meet, you know, our CFO and COO. I'll be back in 30 minutes. And so I walked in, sat down um, with two of my coworkers now and I turned to him and I said, I think this is like a job interview. And they're like, oh, yeah, it totally is. Did you not know that? And I'm like, no, I, I did not know that. So if that was any indication of like 
my wrist level to go, okay, I think I'm in the middle of a job interview. I wasn't aware. I thought I was having coffee. Let's, let's do this thing. Um, and I thought it was for a VP of marketing position. You know, that was my background. I had interviewed with the marketing team. Um, and the job offer included sales. So I did exactly what I shared with you at the beginning. I said, I've never done sales. If you look at a job description for sales, I have zero qualifications, basically. Um, uh, can't do it. Um, you know, I maybe had 30% of the requirements, right, for a VP level. I can do strategy, can communicate, can develop a team. So I, you know, when he made me the offer, I said, no, I can't, I can't do it. I've never done sales. Like I'll take marketing, but I'm, I'm not doing sales. And fortunately I had a boss that pushed me a little bit and said, you know what, if you want to take marketing, I need you to take sales. Like they come together, there is no one or the other. And I said, I've never done sales before. And he's like, you'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so just know that I've been in those similar positions where I'm taking a risk on something um, where I don't know anything about it. And my comfort level in that case was zero because I know the importance of what sales is for a company. Um, and so I approached it from a learning perspective. I said, okay, I'm not a sales expert. I've never done sales. Um, so what do I have to do? I have to put a team around me that's really talented. I have to look at different aspects of sales where I can contribute, like process, performance, um, evaluations, talent development, different things like that. Um, and then I put people around me that had the other skills that I didn't have and slowly built out that team. But my gut instinct was to go, I've never done sales. I can't do sales. I don't meet any of these job description titles. And P.S. I've been doing it for like four years now. So it is something that you can do if you jump into it. But there is that instinct to go, I don't think I can do this. And to think back to say I might have walked away from, you know, one of the most, um, you know, challenging jobs I've ever had, but also the most rewarding. Um, I might have said no to that because I didn't have that piece. And so for me, you know, think about when you're reading job descriptions. That'd be the first thing. I would look at different job descriptions that are out there, whether they're internal or external, and start reading them for the roles that you want. Um, identify areas where you're really, really great. You know, what are the things that you have that you do? And it doesn't necessarily have to be like 10 years of sales experience because you can extrapolate that down. It's like, have you been part of a team that was responsible for the front end of the business and selling things? Or, you know, are, are you in a technical role where you're like, I haven't had this experience, but I've had this that's adjacent that I could, you know, build that story around it. And then where are the areas where you have gaps? And what you're going to see is there's probably, you know, two to three areas that you consistently have a gap in. So the question for you, going back to that potential versus performance, is do you need to have that experience before you get that role? Or can you talk to your manager about having the potential to take on that role and learn as you go? Because you're never going to be ready 100% for any job that you take, P.S. Like you walk into a company and there's always going to be things that you don't know how to do that you're going to have to learn on the job. Um, so the question for you is, can you build enough of the qualifications that they see you as a high performer, high talent that they want on their team, but, but more importantly, high potential to grow within the organization? And how do you categorize that? Because that's going to be one of the factors that oftentimes people don't talk about, but is a key factor when you're hiring talent. You know, could this person start here and eventually be a leader in the company? Um, and how do you, how do you equate that? So 
when you're looking at that categorization of like learning on the job versus demonstrating ahead of time, it's hard to put absolutes on that because every job is different. Every company is different. You know, if you're doing something that's highly technical, you might need to know how to do that skill and can't like learn it on the fly. Um, But a lot of my background is more in people related things that you can somewhat learn on the fly. But each company is different and you can't know everything. So my question would be, first of all, how good are you at learning while doing? You know, are you able to do and move and learn at the same time? Um, You know, do you have somebody advocating for you? as you're learning and helping you work through that. Um, Because what you're doing is you're asking somebody to trust in you to figure it out, you know, and that's where that potential comes into play. And oftentimes if you're not having that discussion about potential, that's where that self-sabotage becomes an issue because you're like, I don't know how to do this. And you're like, I don't know how to do this, but I have frameworks that I can figure out and work through to be able to figure these pieces out. So, you know, one of the things that I like is reading. Um, I read a lot of books. That's one of the things that we do at our, our company. Um, but one of the books that's really good is The First 90 Days. So if you're thinking about taking on a new role, um, I would consider reading it ahead of time because it might give you a framework for how to think about those first 90 days. The, you know, evaluation of what's going on, sharing and socializing what you're finding, And then the last 30 days are really around, here's a strategy or changes or things you want to make. And if you talk about that while you're interviewing, if you talk about that with potential future leaders who are going to make decisions on talent, what that shows them is that you're able to learn and figure things out, that you have a process and a structure to do that, regardless of expertise in the role. You know, are you able to evaluate a team evaluate talent, evaluate the systems and structures to put a recommendation together and to start to move things forward. So one of the things that you want to do is think about how you're showcasing your potential. Um, And some leaders take a broad role as to what potential looks like. Um, Good leaders have actionable items that they look at for potential. Um, So for me and my team, when we did a nine box in sales, we wrote down what high performance looks like. And we had three big categories. And then we had descriptions within that category of what we viewed as a high performing person. Um, And we've tweaked it since then and done some other things, but the the main core of it still held. The harder part was defining potential. So we started to work on what does that mean? And we were able to net that out to three things um, of what we needed to see if somebody had potential. And you know, one of the things that happens oftentimes is that, you know, when you're showcasing your performance and not talking about your potential, you're missing that huge piece that really funnels into that decision. Um, and it's counterintuitive. So it's this idea of the more you talk about your performance, um, the more people see you as maybe a functional expert or an expert in that area. And what you have to do if you want to talk about potential is you have to ask more questions and you have to speak less. (laughs) But when you do speak, it has to be purposeful and the questions need to be strong. And so when you think about taking on a project to showcase potential and you want to take the lead on that, having a project that's completed and is a high-performing project is awesome. But the discussion that you should be having about the project with the leaders in the organization is 
how you brought the team together, how you worked through challenges. Um, you know, what are some things that you did to ask really strong questions that changed the direction of the project to make it better, more efficient, more potential? Um, you know, think about the things that are not the tangibles of actually completing the project, but the intangibles that show that you have potential to create strategy, to challenge your thinking, to ask big questions, to think beyond your current role. And it really goes back to this idea of taking risks and challenging what you're doing today. So risks can be big or small. They can be personal or professional. So think about the last big risk that you took. Um, Did you try something new that you didn't know anything about um, that you're going to start from scratch? So um, I'll give you an example. Um, My son wanted to learn skiing. Um, I don't know how to ski. So this winter, we are going to be taking skiing lessons together. Um, and at my age, when I fall, I have a feeling it might hurt a little bit more. But, um, you know, that's something new I've never done. Um, he wanted to do it. There's a lot of people that ski in this area. We've never been able to do, like, a ski trip or a ski weekend because I don't know how to ski. Um, it's not something that I inherently want to be out in the cold for that long, although I don't mind. In Michigan, we get cold a lot. Um But it's something that I'm just going to go do because it's something he wants to do. And I'm like, oh, this will be fun. We'll go do this together. Um, I'm not a fan of going fast down a hill with skis, um, but we'll figure it out, right? So it's this idea of challenging those fears that you have and doing something that's not natural for you. um, But try to think about something each month that you want to do. You know, for me, doing a podcast was something new. I never know how to do that, how to edit audio, how to create video. I don't know if anybody's watching or listening. So it's one of those things that's like, well, that's kind of a risk. That's something new that I'm going to do and we'll see what happens with it. Um, And so for me, it's kind of part of my characteristic of who I am and I'm really comfortable with that. But for a lot of people, if you're not purposeful about it, you know, you get out of the habit of taking risks. And then when you do want to go take one, it becomes this big overwhelming thing. So I'll share with you an experience um, of my husband's, not mine, um, since he tends to be a lower risk taker. So if that's your lens, I'll give you an experience that he had. So um, he does not like public speaking. He does not like to be the center of attention. He is the character trait of a introverted engineer who likes to like mountain bike and do computer stuff and build stuff. You stick him up in a room full of people. He hates it. You get me to do it. I'm jazzed for like three hours afterwards. So very different in terms of how we view that. Um, But he had to give a a talk. He had to publicly speak in a room full of people at a wedding. And so he started writing things down of like, oh, this is exactly how I'm going to do the speech. And this is all the words. And I'm like, you're getting too stressed out and you can't memorize it. Um, As somebody who does this a lot, I'm like, if you miss a word, like you're screwed. You're going to totally forget where you are. You're going to blank out. Um, And so what we did is we created like 10 bullets that he wanted to do and two themes. So I'm like, okay, you've got two sections. You've got 500 each. That's kind of what you need to remember. And he practiced for two weeks. So I heard the speech a lot. Um, He had it inside and out. He knew the bullets, so he kind of knew the structure. He wrote those down in a small scribble with a couple of words so that if he did get, you know, challenged as he was doing it um, and got up there and in a room of 150 people, you know, was able to deliver this great speech. And it really helped that the bridesmaid was slightly intoxicated um, and did not give a great speech. So like the the caliber of how well he did really, you know, helped with that too. Um, But here's the thing with that. So it wasn't something he was comfortable with. 
Um, it wasn't something he in, really wanted to do. It was something he knew he needed to do. And he wanted to do it well. And so he developed and we worked on a process and practice for how to do it. And that's the idea of breaking down risk. It's not about walking in and going, hey, I'm not going to be anxious this time. It's about walking in and going, hey, I, I put in my homework. I have a process. I did it in a way that I know I'll, I'll be you know, comfortable doing it as to the best of my ability. I'm going to practice to make sure I can do this as well as I can and then go and knock it out of the park. And, and I think that's the idea behind risk. Like, I don't know how to ski down a hill, but I know I have to go rent boots. I have to rent skis. I have to get an instructor. I know they'll help me through the basics. Like, I know that there will be a process to figure it out. I don't need to know how to go on, like, Black Diamond Hills week two. But I know that there's going to be a process to help me get to a place where skiing is comfortable and fun, right? And it's that idea of taking those, those risks that you have and defining risk differently. You know, can you define risk as an opportunity? Um, you know, for me, like I'm not the greatest at like making friends. <laughs> um, you know, I hang around with people like that I work with and I've developed friendships that way. Um, but for me, like going out and meeting people is not my comfort level. Um, and, you know, for me, it was a, it was, it's a struggle because I have a lot of commitments. I travel a lot. I like to be home with my family a lot. And so time is an issue. Flexibility is an issue. Availability is an issue. Um, you know, a lot of times I, I talk about work a lot so that like certain people are like, I don't want to talk about work with you. Like that's hard. So I know I have a challenge like meeting friends at my age. Right. So what I started to do was I connected with a women's network in the industry um, to learn about it, took on like a, a role for our state, um, you know, went to the national meeting, got to meet people, super interesting from all different parts of the country, um, have met, you know, people that shared with me about the opportunity that brought me in, that I've traveled with them and, you know, have gotten to text them, got to know them better. Um, and for me, that's going to be a priority for me. It's a risk for me because it's not something I'm usually comfortable doing, but I'm going to work to try to make more formal events, informal events, to meet different people, get to know them, share their stories, um, you know, share fun, share laughter, socialize with them, some education with them um, to see if I can make some new friends through that avenue, you know, and, and it's something going into 2023 that's a goal for mine. Um, it's something I'm going to dedicate effort to. It's risky because I have no idea of the outcome, right? Like people might meet me and go, yeah, you're nice in these settings, but like I'm not hanging around with you outside of this. Or, you know, you might meet really good friends that you get to hang out with. But for me, I'm looking at those things that for me, I'm not as comfortable with. And I'm like, okay, can I have a process and a structure and a plan to try to get better? And that's really all it is. And so, you know, when you're managing your risk, it's really an emotional response more than anything, right? So if you're doing something risky, like your head hurts, you get anxious, you get sweaty. And I was watching this interview um, about athletes uh, in the Olympics. And oftentimes they're asked if they're nervous, right? That's, that's like a way to say, are you nervous? Like, is this risky for you? Are you scared? You put in all this time? Like, how do you view this? You spent your whole life training for this event. You know, you either make it or you don't. There are no do-overs. Um, and what they did is they recategorized this idea of fear, 
and doing something risky and doing something out there as excitement. Because a lot of times your response is the same. Like when you're really excited or when you're really scared or or you think something's really risky, you're going to do it anyway. um, You have the same reaction to it. And so one of the things that that you can start to do is shift your mindset. Like, oh, I'm going to do this thing that I'm not super comfortable with. I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious about it. I don't see it as a big risk that I'm going to avoid at all costs. It's like, well, maybe I'm just excited to try it. Maybe I'm just excited to do something different. And that's why I'm reacting this way. So what I would challenge you to do is think about as you head into, you know, the next couple months is take a risk, make a leap. You know, um, get to know something about what potential looks like in your organization so that you're not automatically disqualifying yourself from things that could be huge potentials. And think about areas where you could take a leap before you're ready, Um, where you could learn on the job. And it's this idea of not, you know, steps up a ladder and kind of working your way up. It's this idea of like, I want to try something different. I'm willing to take a risk on it. So I'm going to break that idea that I need to climb up a ladder within a functional area that I know. I'm going to work on collecting these experiences and think differently about it to say, I think I have potential. My potential looks like this. I'm going to confirm it with leaders in my organization um, and tell them that I want to try something that takes on the performance that I've done but really stretches me based on my potential. And make sure you ask those leaders how they're looking at potential and and where you fit. Ask them to see where you are in the nine box if they do those. Um, Sometimes they'll share that with you and what you could do and and what you could do to move up or over because you really want to be kind of at that top corner box because that's where you get the opportunities. And what I would tell you as you start to look at this, there are always people that are like, I don't want to do any of this. Like I'm happy doing what I'm doing and that's, awesome. Um, Work is work, but it's also a game that you either choose to play or not. You know, and that's one of the things that that people often don't realize is you can play or you can not play. You can take the risk or not. Um, You know, we were playing a game over the holidays called Pass the Pig, which basically you roll these pigs and depending on where they lay, you get a certain number of points, you got to get up to 100 and you can choose to keep rolling or not right? What's your risk level? It's a game. And so taking risks on certain things or certain functions, trying things that are beyond what you've done from a performance standpoint, but could show your potential um, is really what it's about. And people who take more risks, um, sometimes it doesn't pay off. You know, sometimes they move to different roles or things don't work out, but sometimes it does. Um, and so start to think about what your risk tolerance looks like, um, how you think about it inside your own life, like personal and professional. And I would love to hear about a risk you're thinking about taking, whether it's a job, whether it's a team, whether it's you want to go skiing, you know, whatever that thing is. Um, I'd love for you to share with me what that risk looks like, what risk you took and what the outcome was. Um, So you can connect with us at Breaking Ladders on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I've got an email, breakingladders2, the number two at gmail.com. You know, I would encourage you to take a risk, take a leap, share your story. I want to know what happens. 
Um, I want to know what you think about your risk tolerance level. I want to know what you think your your potential is and, and what that looks like for you. And I'd love to know if you have any questions for me on this or any future episodes. I would love to connect with you. So thanks for taking the time today on kind of breaking down this idea of self-sabotaging and taking some risks and taking some challenges and thinking differently about your career and what that could look like for you. Can't wait to connect with you again soon.